Hello, everyone. Hello. Aloha. Aloha, Dakota. Aloha, Skylar. <laughs> Welcome back to the Misdirected Podcast, episode six. Yeah, episode We are six. officially past the halfway mark. We're up there. We are We are closing in on the second half of this season, Dakota. How do you feel? Uh, I feel pretty good, you know? I feel it's... it's good to get we, like we made the a, B portion of the season exactly we're, we're making it we're, we're figuring yeah, it out we're this time we there. had some nice music yeah we uh, had some intro music that was nice thank you richard cheese thank you richard cheese lovely man love, love him <laughs> i wish i knew him personally i really wish we did he's gonna do our weddings I get, i'll pay him i don't care how much it'll cost he's I, doing I, everyone i know's wedding i want to do my funeral yeah if well i hope i die before him i couldn't <laughs> live in the world without him honestly um well everyone today we are talking about a little known film from 2015 called Aloha, directed and ri- written and directed yeah. by Cameron Crowe, and starring, oh, Cameron Crowe, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, famous for Jerry Say Maguire. Anything, Jerry Maguire, um, almost famous, mm-hmm. for which he won the Oscar yep. for Best Screenplay, um, and this film has a pretty, I'd say amazing, I mean, I, this has been a, a recurring thing, but all these movies have really awesome cast. Yeah, they have good actors in them, like, they, they do well. They they are really great. We have Bradley Cooper, Emma Stone, Rachel McAdams, mm-hmm. John Krasinski, who is basically doing a uh, he's a doing Jack the Ryan yeah Jack, Jack Ryan. he's doing Jack Ryan and his character from A Quiet Place exactly yeah. basically say and then um Bill Murray's in it as well Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. um pretty Danny McBride also Danny McBride also yeah. in it um pretty because, stellar cast yeah. pretty stellar cast uh so that is the movie for today a uh, little background on it uh, this film. Not did not do too well at the box office. No, it did uh, not. Only made about I want to say twenty three million. Yeah, there was significant a... stuff before it came out though that affected that. You know, right, there was the whitewashing issue with Emma Stone. Yes. So the 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 two key issues that affected this movie were um, the idea that Emma Stone plays a half a quarter Hawaiian, quarter Chinese um, islander person, islander. Yeah. Um, but she of course isn't. Uh, no. She's very white. Yes, very. Uh, she's in the uh she was in mary queen of scots or which one or the favorite emma stone she was in the favorite the yeah favorite, pretty yeah. white pretty white <laughs> pretty white uh so that created a lot of controversy there uh she apologized for being in the film cameron crow wrote a lengthy state lengthy statement saying that this was actually based on a person that really existed but even though he realized that it would have been better to have a actual you know someone with hawaiian blood in them people were saying olivia munn would have been a good casting who i believe is, is Hawaiian, yeah, she, I don't she, remember. She would fit the bill more, yeah, for sure. Uh, but he still said it was, you know, no, there was no malice intended. Uh, our podcast isn't really going to get into that side of it. That isn't really an important yeah. aspect. We understand it, but um, that's not the focus. That's not the focus. We we are not going to discuss something we know really nothing about, and we we have no stake yet, yeah. you know, about representation on that. We're really just focused on the filmmaking and the directing. I guess uh, we should. We haven't said it in a long time. This podcast is about looking. It's at, about looking at the director. Like, yeah, we we haven't given a a podcast summary in a couple episodes, but as some of you already know that are listening, but for the new people, our podcast looks at um, quote unquote bad movies by great directors to see if they truly were misdirected yeah. or if there are other elements involved in the production that uh, maybe affected it. Maybe it wasn't misdirected at all. Uh, again, this episode is on Aloha, directed by Cameron Crowe. Uh, 
And um, I think we can just get into the movie. We can, yeah. I mean, uh, let's just... start at the beginning. Yeah, the beginning. You want to just talk about that weird intro, <laughs> the home so, video montage? Basically, this movie starts uh, with, first off, really interesting, the old school Columbia logo, which mm-hmm. looks I like, like that might logo. have been from the 60s. Yeah. kind of has that film grain look to it. And then they also took the Regency logo, which looked like it was straight out of the 90s, mm-hmm. like has the kind of, you know, it looked it looked like the modern one, but older, more on film and stuff. Uh, which is interesting. Never used again that kind of film grain stuff. It, I guess it was just intended to be like, yeah. hey, look, it's kind of cool. And then we get into a pretty, you know, I'd say like a minute long intro looking at old stock footage from Hawaii, you know, shot on 8mm, 16mm, getting a sense of the um, the islands and the land. Pretty interesting, pretty cool. Set, sets I a good like tone. I, th- I think it's I okay. was like, I don't need it. Let's just get into the movie. I mean, Cameron Crowe is really good at just, like, taking a, taking a song everyone knows or something and, like, throwing it on some images yeah. and making it no, work. No, I get know? it. I just would have rather just started at the air, at the when they're in the plane. Like, we could have yeah. skipped everything. But then they get this weird exposition but, Right. Over. Well, so then the movie kind of starts just like uh, – what is that? That's the pipes in my That's house. Ignore it. Last <laughs> week it was pipes. the sounds and everything, and this week um, it's pipes. So the film starts uh, kind of like Jer- Jerry Maguire, which I think you've seen. I've seen it, yeah. It starts very similar, where with Jerry Maguire, you start with uh, him giving this long, basically monologue, VO monologue, about how he became disillusioned with his com- with his uh, line of work. He wrote this big manifesto, sent it to everyone. He's like, I'm a new man. I'm a changed person about it. Kind of a similar thing with this one. The issue is with Jerry Maguire, that was just the setup for the character and not really the plot i mean it kind of was the setup for the plot but it was long enough it was like five minutes long mm-hmm. that you get the the whole idea of it and you're also seeing what is happening like when he's saying i did this with these people you see that he did that with these people right and this one bradley cooper i mean uh, <laughs> we're gonna show the clip of it yeah but before we do let's try and explain what his backstory is which is summarized in about 30 seconds i i say so it starts with him saying I like this. I like space. Yeah. I became a NASA engineer pilot. He was like a an, I thought he was like an analyst or something. He worked then, for then NASA. He worked for the military too, right? He worked for NASA. Then NASA loses funding in 2008. So then he starts working for the military. Yeah. And then bi- billionaires that want to do like military things. He's and like space a contractor. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, I got blown up in Afghanistan. I broke a bunch of bones. Yeah, they were doing a deal. And then 18 I, bones. He's like, I left. But yeah. then now they want me back, I guess. Or I, I left. I was – or I didn't leave. Yeah, apparently during that time he was also stealing money from Bill Murray. We'll get to that. Like, <laughs> but he says all this. So it's a whole bunch of information that you think, okay, that's just the setup. So then we can get into the movie. Turns out all of that is crucial. Yeah, it's very important Crucial to the plot of the film. But not until like 56 minutes later. Right. So like, we'll, let's ridiculous. play this scene and see if it's uh, comprehensible. Is that the word? can be comprehended in 30 seconds. There was a time I knew everything in the sky. Every satellite, every constellation, souvenirs of spacewalks and astronauts and rockets launched by NASA in the 60s. As a kid, I looked up and felt the future. It belonged to me. Then 2008 happened. Budgets crashed. NASA was just another business looking for cash. The billionaires took over. Satellite pirates with deep pockets, drunk with the idea of ruling the world. I left the military and took a contracting job with the biggest billionaire of them all, Carson Welch. 
I went to the gray side. Messed up bad in Kabul, Afghanistan, broke about 18 bones and two legs. Lost my gig. For a year, I waited for scraps, like a hungry cat outside a seafood restaurant dumpster. Finally, I got a crappy second chance. At least I was going back to Hawaii. Like a hungry cat waiting outside a seafood restaurant dumpster. Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> That that's a that's a very Cameron Crowe thing of like you know you got that snappy dialogue and you know it sounds good but you don't really understand you know you hear everything I can hear okay billionaires business NASA contracting but you don't understand who this guy is no what he did before nope. and all of everything said here sounds like a really interesting movie yeah but it's not like it doesn't come up for fifty six minutes yeah for so then for the next like hour you're left wondering what what was all that about you I know? didn't know why he was in Hawaii right. for fifty six minutes and it's you he just says next that okay you know he's on the plane he's back in Hawaii I'm gonna be doing a covering he, a ceremony a gate opening ceremony yeah, gate opening ceremony but then we don't know why he's doing we it we don't know what a gate all is. we know is he's talking with John Krasinski who's a air, uh, air force pilot who's bringing him into Hawaii now what's great is not once are we told. That uh, in in that sequence that he grew up in Hawaii, what Hawaii means to him, we, we don't understand any of that. We're, I guess we just assume he likes Hawaii or he yeah, lived there. Yeah, he just likes it. We're supposed to assume Or it. he lived there, I think. So then he gets on the ground, and now we are introduced to, like, five different characters at once, all in, like, one shot. They they get then They land. We're then introduced to Danny McBride, mm -hmm. uh, who I guess is, like, an old it, guy he used to work friend. with. It's his friend. Yeah, they used to be stationed he together. He has this, like, weird finger thing. He keeps flicking his fingers around. Is he doing that? I didn't even... Pick you know that's that. a thing. That's what? a thing in the movie. I didn't pick up on that the at big, all. Bradley Cooper, his nickname for him is Fingers because he keeps. Oh, that's why he calls him Fingers. Yeah. Oh. He's and then he's being filmed by um, Rachel McAdams' character's son, uh, which. Oh yeah, that kid. I don't. I don't. I understand. So Tracy, play, who's played by Mace, yeah. Rachel McAdams, her son is. Um, he likes to record things. He likes to. I understood his purpose in the beginning of the movie from the get go. It's like I know why he's here. He's gonna record right. something. Right. So he's kind of. It's that really cliche. Oh, kid with the camera because they got a really film nice everything. camera. By the way, nice. That looked like a thing like, from the nineties. What but, are you talking like, about? For a kid, just have to like mess around with. Come on. I guess, but yeah. they never say that he's if interested in film or anything. He, he just, just likes to camera. record things. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I feel like movies. They never really get that right about kids. When I wrote this in kid is like weird. <laughs> Isn't that every kid in a movie? Yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> so we are introduced to both of them. Apparently, the kid's really interested in uh, Hawaiian myths. He's talking about some Hawaiian myth about um, the arrival, and someone's going to come by. And so you know, okay, well, that's going to be a metaphor for something. Rachel McAdams there. She's like, sorry, he likes filming things. And then we cut from this scene all out of nowhere to Emma Stone, and she's like, she just says, you know, she's dressed in like her uniform, and she yeah. says to some guy, oh, let me get my thing. And um, it's just a really jarring cut. And then the other jarring thing about this is the there's a camera move in it. Basically, imagine you know, we're dead on her, and the camera's like five or six feet back. They really quickly push in on her, and they have like a camera move like zoom. They push on her really fast, and she's like just there. The issue is, this is the first time we ever had a really interesting camera move like this. It cuts straight from like just Danny McBride to that yeah. out of nowhere. So we've never seen this person before. And then it just it just that's it. It's yep. just like, okay, bye. For so the shot's like ten seconds long, and then we're supposed to just know who this person is, I guess. Her or name is just, Ing, by the way. That's right. No, Ning Ning Ing. 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 
her Aang. last name's Aang, right? It's, yeah. He he calls her Aang. She says, call me Aang. But it was just very jarring. So then we cut back to everyone on the field. And then we're just like, it's a basically balancing act of, okay, Bradley Cooper's going to be meet Dan McBride. Now he's going to meet uh, Emma Stone. And she's like really... Pep, uh, she's peppy, chipper. yeah. Chipper she's like, and, happy like, to be in the air force. I'm your, I'm your person, pal. Yeah. Your chaperone. And he's like, oh god, ooh, I'm getting like, a headache from I you. I need a double espresso. Oh, but well, that's later. That's later. That's later. And then uh, John Krasinski's kids, the kid. That's uh, yeah. I don't know the actress's name. I don't know. Who plays his wife, but uh, uh, but they no, invite Rachel him McAdams. Over. Tracy Rachel McAdams. She invite. The they invite him over for dinner. Well, first off, we we get a uh, dialogue from Daniel McBride, which is really confusing. So, oh yeah, yeah, this this yes. right. They have the 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 plane oh the, the 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 door comes down and then everyone starts playing that like really sad music yeah. for like military like, funerals yeah they have one of the bodies coming out and then you see rachel mcadams in the distance and bradley cooper and danny mcbride are staring at her he says oh yeah she's like the ex-girlfriend the ex-girlfriend she plans all these events or she's like in charge of all these events or something, something like, that. like that so i guess she's in charge of the funerals but ooh, yeah that's never brought up ever again yeah, i just like understand. she's like in charge of these things i thought i didn't know she was john krasinski's wife until he showed up i was like oh she just had someone die she's close to thought, and then she's coming on to yeah. bradley cooper b coop i was like what the fuck is going on but then it turned out she was married to john krasinski yeah yeah and also so her and bradley cooper used to like date or something uh and that they were together they were, they were very together. much they were gonna and then start she's a like, life let me meet let me introduce my kids yeah and then she she goes to them and she says here's my son 10 years old here's my daughter 12 Thir years old no, 12 years 13. old no, no 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 she's not daughter 12 years old she says this is uh bradley cooper <laughs> what's his name yeah, i call him b coop his name is brian brian, brian Gil gilchrist gilchrist yeah she's like this is brian man brian and i we haven't seen each other in 13, 13 years. years that's like a huge nudge to the like, audience oh i wonder you're what like, that means just, i was like i know it's his daughter like i'm not stupid there's no way there's no way it's not his kid and no. so you're like okay great like Obviously, that's going to be like the last, like, you know, the ending of the second act. Yeah. And you're like, oh, turns out you got a kid. It's so much longer. <laughs> so that happens. And then she's like, oh, you want to come over for dinner? Okay, sure. And now Bri Bradley Cooper, I should call him by his name. I'm calling him B. Brian. Coop. I call him B. Coop. I'm referring to him as B. Coop forever. <laughs> Brian and, uh, and Ing. Ing. They are, you know, they have to go do their thing. I think they go to the king, right? This is when no, they go to the king. First, they go to, uh, don't they go to see Bill Murray first? Or is that later? Oh, that's right. Bill Murray's in the yeah, movie. Bill Murray plays the weirdest right. character in a he while. He has to go to a meeting where he has to meet with Alec Baldwin or the other guy. No, he's meeting with Bill Bill Murray, I swear. Bill Murray's just there. Bill Murray's he's the evil he's the magnate guy, the corporate right. well, billionaire. Basically, he has to go meet and they say, Okay, you gotta go meet with the king of yeah, this part of Hawaii. Because they need land. Because we need to like make sure it's a they can do a blessing for these bones that we're gonna move because we need to make a factory here and we're also gonna be launching this like. Oh, satellite. and they need the airspace because like they need airspace. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's like, Okay, I'll do that. And then Bill Murray's there, he's like, hey, good to have you back, kid, like, oh. Yeah, because that's who he used to work for. Right, but the thing is, I didn't know that until, like, way later. I thought he was, I thought this was his first job with him. I had no idea that he had worked with him before. Yeah, because, I yeah. thought, because basically, apparently, Afghanistan happened when he was working for Bill Murray. The entire time, up until, like, the last, I don't know, 40 minutes, I thought Afghanistan happened when he was working for the military, when he, like, no, got blown No, because he was up. never, like, a military, he was always an operator, like, a contractor. Well, thanks for explaining yeah. that, because no, I, I didn't this, know. This movie doesn't do that well. So, they do that, and then they're in the car, they're driving. They go meet with the king, yeah. and then the entire time, Bradley Cooper's like, oh, I don't like you, you gotta, you're too chipper, yeah. I don't like that. And she's like, 
ah, I'm chipper. She's like, that's just the way I am. Do, 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 do. And so clearly they're like, okay, they're going to try and get them together. Yeah. And the problem is they don't, the movie wants to put them together and they want them to have chemistry, but the writing doesn't really give them that because they're constantly fighting the entire time and they never really have a moment of not fighting until like, like two moments yeah. and then like five minutes in the middle. And so I never feel they have chemistry because they're always fighting and they never have chemistry. Yeah, they're they never don't. allowed it's to. Just, I mean, like even we'll get into their stuff later. Right. With their so they meet with the king. Yeah. They meet with the king, who's a friend of Bradley Cooper. Right. Apparently, and it's like, hey, we are gonna give you a mountain back. Yeah. No, he wants. They want two mountains and cell phone service. And he's like, which I is a very you... reasonable request. And Bradley Cooper's but, like, that's way too much. I can't do that. You know. So uh, they're like, okay, well, they're like, he's like, you just have them. He's like, enjoy the music, have some food. The king is like, and then just go home. By the way, he's not like a king king. He's just like a no 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 no. no. He's, he's like a mayor. The king is basically like the governor of Hawaii or right. something. He's like the sovereign leader. And so then the entire time, Bradley Cooper keeps like he's pestering him. He's trying to do a hard no, sell. No, no, he's he's keeping like Emma Stone at bay. He's like, no, don't talk. You can't. Yeah, stay away. This is my deal. And then she's like, hey. Can you play this really specific Islander song yeah. that I like? In this, it's like really I lost specific... my cassette and I've been dying to hear it. Yeah, that was a really, really forced line. But like, okay, we'll play the music with you, and then they do the music stuff, and they all like her, and they're like, okay, we'll do it for two mountains and a cell phone. Well, okay, Bradley Cooper says, let's do it, and then they leave, and he's like, oh, I'm still, I'm still a curmudgeon kind of, but yeah. also not really. A curmudgeon. He's also like, I'll never screw you over, King, which yeah. is like really, it's Kinda really lie. shitty. <laughs> So then they get into the car, and she's like, well, they're talking about the sky. And oh, yeah, the, king, the, the king had said, the sky talks, is nice tonight. And then, Yeah, he's like, you could get lost in the in the cosmos or something. Yeah, and, like, and they're talking the entire back time. In the car, back in the car, he's like, I don't believe in all that sky stuff. And all she's this. like, what? You don't believe in the sky? And she's like, oh, you're crazy. What are you, white? Yeah, and then they stop. They pull on stop mid-conversation because they drive into fog. Right, so they drive And there's, fog. like, tribal people. Well, Emma Stone says, Stop. Put your head down. And we're like, wait, what? Yeah, and then we kind of see shadows in the fog. She's like, these are the shadows of this, like, these warriors. And if you look at them, you'll die because you're not Hawaiian. And he's like, oh, okay. And then they turn back or the, they cut back to the fog and there's no tribal people there. And they're just holding hands in the car. And then it's like, okay, end of that thing. Yeah, that just cuts away from that, which is – I. And there's moments like that where they, they want to incorporate they want to incorporate the island history, I guess, and the history of Hawaii into the story. But, but they're shoehorning it. They're, it's really shoehorning. Yeah, there's it. no like, point. We want to we want to dra- yeah. drive it in there. So then the next uh, night they have the dinner. No, wait. Before that, there was a really weird scene with John Krasinski's wife, Rachel McAdams, and the kid. And uh, they're oh, yeah. like they like go to the market. For, they, we follow them for like two minutes and three scenes. They go to the market. And then outside of the market, uh, the kid has his camera, and he sees, like, a big semi-truck carrying rocket parts, and they both look with, like, fear, like it's something crazy. Wait, that was a scene? Yes, that was a scene. No, wait, that was a scene when he was on his – he was on the – No, was I, that the t- I wrote no, 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 no. it. I wrote it down. Look, I, I wrote, uh, what's the point of the scene with John Kay's <gasps> wife and kid and the semi? Because that happens after the car oh, scene. Oh, you're right. That yeah. did happen. And I was like, I don't what's remember. the point? It's just, it's just exposition. Like, look, they're scared of the big things happen right. in their town. Well, there's also a scene with the two of them where uh, the the son says to Tracy, to Tracy, she, he's like, I miss dad. Yeah. And then she says, well, he'll be back tonight. But then I was like, wait a minute. Didn't he just get back before? Because he leaves every day and the kid's like, I miss my dad. Okay. He leaves, I was confused. When he's stationed there, he leaves it. He works every day. 
Okay. Like, that's just the way it so is. So then his kid's just being, he's just being a little idiot. He's like, ah, I miss my dad. I want my dad more. No, yeah. he's not a brat. No, he wants his dad. It's, it's reasonable. He's um, got a military dad. You so know, then we go, family. we go to the, the night of the, the yeah, dinner. Yeah, the dinner. And so Tracy and Bradley He's there with Cooper, Ing, right? He brings Ing? He brings Ing. Yeah. What's her first name? I feel bad no, keep calling her, her Ing. Her name is Ing. That's what they call Allison. her in the movie. Her name but is Captain everyone, Allison Ing. Everyone calls her Ing. You cannot tell me that they okay, don't. Okay, fine. Yeah. So, so she's entertaining jinx. the kids. Jinx. You owe me, you owe me Coke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you go. Creed Bratton, buy me some Coke. Uh, so yeah, so they're, uh, Ing is entertaining the kids. And so Bradley Cooper goes in uh, to the kitchen and they're just like, Kind of him casually and Tracy talking. Are... No, no, no. They're not casually talking. Oh, wait, they're no, no, no. flirting no, no, no. I hardcore. Forget. Oh, no. So uh, they're flirting, but that's after something happens where she offers him a beer. He says no. He goes into the kitchen or he goes into the living room. I think John Krasinski shows up yep. and starts playing with the kids. Yep. And then he's like, oh, I do need that beer. So he goes and gets the beer. Right. And so John Krasinski's in the other room and he starts like full on flirting with Rachel McAdams. They share a beer. They, she's like, I'm gonna, I'm girlfriending so hard right yeah, now. Yeah, she's and like, I don't know if I really like this. Uncomfortable. She's like, I do. So they're kind of flirting while they're there, and she's talking about what he did wrong as a boyfriend. Like, oh, we were supposed to go on this trip, and you didn't go on it with me, and that was my test. And he's like, that shouldn't have been ultimatums. You know, trips can't be ultimatums. Right. And then she says something about how her husband doesn't talk much, and she's like, he never talks. But we never got a sense of that before because he talked to him fine in the airplane. Yeah. It's just and apparently when he gets home, he's like his character from A Quiet Place. Yeah, he, he just, just doesn't talk. Down. Yeah. And so then they're talking for a bit. And then he comes into the – John Krasinski comes into the uh, – Yeah. Oh, man. This scene is weird. He comes into, he comes the, into the, the kitchen. kitchen and he, yeah. he just looks at them. He's like – Because they were like – they were really close talking about yeah. like how things got you know like messed up between them. They were like six inches away. Yeah. He comes in. They like go apart. Like, like they fully oh, oh, see him. You're caught they us. take the minute to separate. They look at him. She starts to laugh. And then he just like looks like he's gonna kill Bradley Cooper. He slowly walks up and gets like nose to nose with him. He puts his arm on his he shoulder. He puts his arm on his shoulder. And then he smiles. He's like, mm. that's he doesn't talk. And then he Nothing. walks out. And then Bradley Cooper's like, he just said a lot. And she's right. like, that he never says anything. He's like, No, he said, This is my wife. I know you used to date her, but don't screw her because I've been working out and I'm manly. Right. Which and, like, that was – it was kind of funny. It was kind of it was funny. It's just, like, weird. Well, it's weird because they didn't set it up properly. Right. Nowhere before do we have the idea that John Krasinski's like this. No one ever mentioned it until this scene. Mm-hmm. And so then to have that information in and then just throw it at us like that really fast is a little odd. I feel, you know, there should have been, there should have been some more hints to it in the be- beginning and the yeah. earlier scene. Like, when he's with his family, it should have been, like, they're like, hey, dad. And he's like, no, silent. nothing. I don't just know. Just be silent. But this is the, a 40 minute mark, by the way. This is 40 minutes? This is 40 minutes in and nothing has happened. We get to a dinner. By the way, the movie's only an hour and 40 minutes Only long. almost two hours. No, that, like, no, not almost two hours. It's only an hour and 40. But that, they, come on, you know they cut No, stuff. that's what I'm saying is that it feels like two and a half yeah, hours. It's but long. it's only an hour it's, and 40. It's terrible, man. Well, it's not terrible. I mean, like the time of it. That's like, a it mean drags. thing to it's say. It's not terrible. It drags, though. You got to apologize to the movie. I apologize. It does drag, though. <laughs> And then, uh, so then we go to B Coop with Bill Murray again, right? After the dinner? No, they go to, they go to a party. And, oh, yes. They never say they're going to be They before. never say they're going, everyone leaves the dinner, and that's when Emma Stone starts dancing, right? Well, they go to the party at this, like, military place. Yeah. And Bradley Cooper and, uh... Ing, Ing and Tracy and, and Bill John Murray, Trinsky. the billionaire, are there. Well, he's there, but they yeah. don't go with him. Right. They're all there, and then Rachel McAdams and John Krasinski go in their own place, and then 
Ng and Brian are at the bar and they're talking about how oh you can't date people when you're in the military because yeah, pull on flirting yeah they're now they're flirting yeah. Bradley Cooper getting he around. has two love interests right and then he goes away I think he's gonna go to the bathroom or something and there is Bill Murray and Bill well, Murray no, one of the guys signals them yeah. both to come over to talk to them and then Bill Murray is there and then Bradley Cooper and Bill Murray get into a conversation and then all of a sudden Bill Murray's talking about oh you stole a hundred thousand dollars he's like I always knew yeah, yeah. so. I guess what we get from this scene was that Bradley Cooper in Afghanistan stole money. And so then Bill Murray allowed him to get bombed and didn't, like, uh, help save him. Yeah, but yeah, well, yeah, and Bradley Cooper later He's says, a, like, he just, like, saw it and, like, didn't do anything. Right. So I get that's what we get, but we don't know. And like, they yeah. never, it's just, it's it's all said so fast and, and you then, don't know. Yeah, and then we just go into a dance scene montage to that song. Right, I right. can't go for that, which I love that song. Which, this is the confusing part, okay? So he basically just says, I let you die, kind yeah. of, and that you stole money from him. And then what does Bradley Cooper do? He's like, hey, why don't you go dance with Bill Murray? Yeah, he, to Emma Stone, he's like, go dance. And so they have, like, a full-on dance montage where I was yeah. like, is Bill Murray trying to have sex with Emma Stone's character? It felt a little weird. It was really weird. It was kind of, like, reminiscent of a Lost in Translation. Yeah, Gotta and then, like, those vibes. Bradley Cooper's, like, in his room staring at his computer, like, being all sullen. And he's, like, not liking his job anymore. He's, like, becoming, like, he's turning around a little bit. And I then... guess. I don't know. I, well, it's he also, he's looking at, like, the satellite Yeah, schematics. he's looking at all this stuff. And then Emma Stone pops her head in. And she's, like. Okay, I don't know about you. But, so, in this scene, right, they have two hotel rooms, I guess. And each one's divided. And mm-hmm. you don't really have a, you have, like, a, a deck, but there's no wall. Um, it's a balcony. It's like a balcony. But there yeah. isn't a wall blocking the, the dividing wall from the, yeah. the room. She sticks her head out from the other side because, you know, there's, like, a little wall that you can stick your head around. I thought that she was, like, in a doorway and That's she wasn't wearing clothes. That's what I thought. And then, But she asked him, are you wearing clothes? He's like, no, and she stuck her head in anyway. So I knew where this scene was going. Right. Like, I know what's about to go down. But so then she comes in. They're like, oh, let's have a bonding moment. And then he tells her about how in uh, Afghanistan he let the bomb hit him and he didn't care. And then she's like, hey, what are all those stickers on your computer? He's like, well, yeah. these are from all the places I've been. And she's like, are they all different the adventure- women, too? It's like, these are all the adventures I had. And then they continue to flirt more. And then she's like, I don't want to just be. Oh, wait, no, no, no. She says something like, blah, 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 pow. And yeah, like, no, puts oh, her hand so she her. straight up looks at him and she goes, pow. Like, we're supposed to know what it means. <laughs> I don't know what and pow. he goes, he's like, pow, really? Because apparently, pow means let's bang it out. I don't know she what goes, pow, pow means. She goes like this, that's me hitting my chest. She goes, pow. And he's like, really? <laughs> and they just go at it so hard. Yeah, they just start making out, and like, then they, they... then we just cut to them having had sex. And yeah, they're just hanging. And he's, he's twirling her hair, and he's like, "Hey, look, when I got when I got yeah, shot, I got... <laughs> when I when I was in the hospital, some guy sewed another guy's toe to my <laughs> big toe, so I have six toes on this one foot." Okay. Yeah, it's so weird. It's like it just now. It, that's the fifty-six minute mark, and it's just now starting to become a rom com. Well, and it's also just now starting to become, like, a plot. Yeah, I'm like, it's becoming a rom-com activism movie. Like, it's, like, kind it's of, starting yeah. to, like, so they just had that. they just had sex. Yeah, they just had sex. Uh, and then it's the next day, and we get a montage of, like, oh, look, they're kind of a couple now, and they're having fun and everything. Yeah, and then, he says, at one point, he says, and I quote, oh, boy, am I a goner. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're all together, and then it's the next the next next day, yeah, she's jogging, <clears throat> and then she passes by the kids' house. They the the kids John and, Krasinski's house, yeah. And she's like, "Hey, are your parents here?" They're like, "No." It's like, "Okay, let me stop and give them a note so I can thank them for the other night." And then she comes in, and the little kid that records stuff is watching back his footage. She's like, "Oh, what's that?" He's like, "This is the footage I took." And then it's that it's this it's that semi truck. No, it's not the semi truck. 
it's right. It's uh, he went at night. He oh, says right. he I snuck in at night to the warehouse, and I recorded it. And it's basically it's footage of this big old rocket, and being so, prepared, being prepared, yeah, for launch. And throughout this movie, Emma Stone's been like, we, the, uh, yeah, the, the air, the the outer space laws. That, that's apparently a huge thing the Air Force knows about. Yeah, like won't allow them to like launch sovereign rockets. From Hawaii, so that's why they needed the space. Well, not only that, you can't have weapons in the air. There's right. no weaponized, which, first off, that's so confusing that an Air Force pilot is know. saying that. I don't know. Because isn't having an why aircraft in the Murray air... Why Bill Murray trying to put nukes on a satellite? You spoiled it. We're getting there, and that's, it's ridiculous. This whole plot is, okay, that so, plot well, is, it's, it's just, it's confusing what it is. So basically, ugh. she's like, wait, what? They, they're making a rocket, yeah. and she doesn't even know what's on it. She's just, I guess, assuming it's going to be weaponized. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is bad. Well, she doesn't like it either way because she loves Hawaii. She's an I islander. Guess, but it's a rocket, but it's supposed to just be a satellite. I thought she already knew that there was going to be a satellite. No, <laughs> she was lied to the entire time. That, Wait, that's she didn't the, know there was a satellite? That's why at the breakfast she gets so angry at Bradley right. Cooper's because Bradley Cooper's like, no, they just want to build a base to everybody, including the king. He's like, no rockets. He's like, no rockets. And at that point in the okay. movie, I was like, is Bradley Cooper working on rockets? But he's not. So, so then we cut to everyone's out of the loop except for Bradley Cooper and Alec Baldwin. You, I have no idea, bro. I followed it kind of well somehow. So then they're at the, the breakfast, and Ing uh, comes to breakfast. Bradley after, Cooper got well, her she a hat. Comes, she comes after having been with the kids. And yeah, and after finding place. this stuff out. So she goes uh, to breakfast. He has a hat for her. He's like trying to like be all flirty and like goofy. He's like, you know, I really, I'm just like all in. And she's like crying. And she's like, I know, blah, blah, blah. She's like, I know what you know. He's like, well, what do you know? And then he, like, shuts down, and she's like, oh, it's going to be that way. And then she, like, they get into a fight because yeah. she knows about the rockets, and she leaves. Um, and he's like, oh, I don't care about you at all. Yeah, I, I knew the big breakup scene was coming. Right, I mean, you have to have it. But I was just surprised. Like, two minutes ago, they were together, and then it took them, like, one scene, yeah, and then now they're not. It one was scene. really too quick. They put it – they kind of squished that romance stuff yeah. in, like, and then five minutes. from that scene, that cuts, and then we go to John Krasinski and his wife. Right. And uh, he comes like, home at night. He comes home and she's like, how was work? He's like, good. She's like, and what did you do at work? How was it? He's like, good. And then he like goes, takes his shoes off, grabs a beer and like walks in the other room. And then she like, she sighs like, oh, I guess I'm going to do this. And the yeah. kids like look at her like, mom, don't. <laughs> and it's all she does is she goes to try to talk to John Krasinski. And she's like, why don't you talk? Just like open up. And he's just he's like, like silent. No, no, no. The first thing he says when he opens the door is like, ever since yeah, Gilchrist ever came since here, Gilchrist, this has been a this, problem. And she's like, this has been a problem before. And she's like, why don't you talk? She's like, you're always leaving. He's like, then I'm going to go. He's like, if that's what I do, then I'm going. And then he like just leaves, but then not before destroying the Santa that they have in right. front of their house. Because apparently it's also Christmas, kind of. Yeah, I kind of keep forgetting that it's Christmas yeah, time. it's in Christmas movie. in Hawaii. So, so he destroys Santa, and then he like has a mental breakdown. He's like suffering from PTSD, and then we just cut away. But we don't. That's the thing. We just cut we away. Just, we don't care we don't, about him. Well, we just don't know anything about this because we think, okay, yeah, maybe it's PTSD, and that's why he doesn't talk. But all of this like tension between him and his wife is just introduced each time we see them, and we never get any context of it. So we didn't know that they were fighting before yeah. because she just tells Bradley Cooper he doesn't talk in that scene when they're at you know dinner, mm-hmm. and so. Now we know, okay, he doesn't talk much. 
And then the next scene, it's like they've been fighting for a long time, but it doesn't. It didn't seem like they were fighting for a long time before that. Yeah, it's just so confusing. It's ridiculous. So then, there's not enough scenes of things happening yeah. to explain the things that are happening. So then he leaves, and then she, uh, the mom with the two kids, goes to find uh, Brian Bradley Cooper, mm-hmm. and she finds him at his apartment. He's like, "I'm leaving. I'm out of here. The arrival's leaving. I'm, go- I'm yeah. gone." And she's like, "Well, you don't want to talk about something." He's like, "What?" She's like, "I think you know." He's like, "Well, I th- if I think I know, then why do we need to talk about it?" And and he's like, "If it's Father's Day, do I have a reason to celebrate?" And she's yeah. like, you celebrate. He's like, okay. And they totally, yeah. totally bland. He's like, I have a kid. All right. Yeah. It just, he doesn't even react. He's just like, okay. It's like as if he already knew it was He his did kid. know, but like he didn't, you would react if you knew you had a kid. If you you like would found totally out legitimately react. and you saw your kid over the past few days, you would like cry. Yeah. Like, so they, everyone just treats the, the him have that being his kid very yeah. very so then we normally get, yeah then we just we gloss over that and we start getting yeah, into the yeah. first off we that, gloss that should over have been, it it should have been a thing yeah. and it's not a thing at all come back till the end spoiler alert it's not it's literally not, nothing is made a big enough deal yeah and then we just go we go into the subplot of space rocket factories right we so just go there well like, he how did he he got he met with Ming Ning and I don't know Ing, why you asshole why Ing Ing oh I'm so sorry I'm yeah. being really racist there um um so they they meet at they, I, where do they meet? They meet at know. the launch site because he's got a he has to program stuff day of launch. So they go to the launch site, um, and everyone's like rooting for him because he's gonna like you know like launch the rocket and all that. They start launching it, and right as it launches, well, they, no, no, no. What it was was that uh, the one guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Comes okay. to him, he's like, "Hey, the Chinese are hacking into the, the yeah. thing. You and uh, and you Ng, and Ing have to solve this hack while we well, launch. Well, not Ing. She's just his, his. She's his liaison. So she has to be there with him. But yeah. so he's like, "You gotta be there and solve it." He's like, "Okay." Mm-hmm. So now apparently Bradley Cooper is a hacker. He yeah, he does a lot of stuff. He's a jack of all trades kind but of man. But I but we didn't know. Never before did we ever told nope. he's a just hacker. Just like when we found out like an hour in the movie, he loved rockets. Like he told us, he told us everything in the beginning of the movie, but we didn't listen. We forgot. We didn't listen because <laughs> it was us. like it took thirty seconds. He but. told us. I so mean. anyway, he's hacking in, and Ing's like, "I don't want to be here. I'm not supporting yeah. this." And the rocket is like simultaneously launching as yeah, this is happening. So they're launching it, and they're like, "Great, the rocket's up." The rocket goes up, and she goes. She says this audibly. She goes, "Brian," for no reason. She just goes, "Brian,", Brian. and he just continues to hack away. And then he. This is important because we forgot to mention it in the scene when they're when they. Uh, when they're gonna then have sex afterwards, when he's talking about himself, he said, or she, I guess she knew about him, but he had he developed this formula or something. He had done this study in college, which is like sound in space, oh, yeah, audio and frequency, it, or and how something. it affects like movement or something. Yeah, apparently he can use sound to blow shit up. Right, and so then he's like, like it he, meant nothing then, but yeah, now we come back. He's communicating with his hacker friend and like solving this hack. And then he like looks to Emma Stone, literally split second has a change of heart, and he's like, "Let's op- let's upload the sound frequency hack." He's like, "What won't that?" He's like, "Shut up! I know what I'm doing." So they start uploading this right. hack. And so his hacker friend, who first off we never introduce, yeah, anyone we don't before, even know him. He just gets introduced yeah. in the scene, for some reason goes along with it, thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna be okay." I don't know why he thought doing this would be okay because clearly it's, this it's, is like it's treasonous, like terror- it's right? Terrorism, practically. So why would the hacker friend go along with him? I don't. I, it's weird. They, so but anyway, they, just do, they it. do it. So they they blast it with. He says every known sound on planet Earth. So they're just blasting a bunch of sounds. Yeah. And it makes they it use freak the out. Ghostbusters. They use a they clip do. from Ghostbusters. A whole bunch of stuff. And then it just freaks out and it explodes. Yeah. And then everyone. Horrible CGI, by the way. It was pretty bad CGI. Horrible. Everyone knows it was him, and yeah. he's like to Emma Stone, "You need to get out of here. You need to get far away from me." I kind of. Every time I, I want to do it in I the voice it, yeah. from Star Wars, board, you got to get out of here. You got to get out of here. Run. Get, I'm no good get, for you. I'm no good for you. Yo, get gone. Get. 
so then he leaves and he goes to whoa the mic just fell that was lovely crazy. so yeah then he leaves and then he has uh i don't think anything important happens until he meets up with alec baldwin right well he gets called in i think yeah to, and alec baldwin's like uh storming in and he screams, he screams i don't, I don't know what he screams, nowhere. but he just spawns because he's screams. so mad because yeah Oh, yeah, wait, I forgot how Bob in this movie. Yeah, like, he earlier. plays, like, the handler. He was in the beginning, and yeah. he says he doesn't like Bradley Cooper. He's like, just don't mess this up for me. Mm-hmm. And so then now we're at this scene where he finally he comes back in, and he's like, you messed it up, Yeah, kid. and Bradley Cooper, like, explain, ex- explains it that, like, Ng and him found out that uh, there were, like, nuclear payloads. Well, there's going to be, like, some weaponized payload yeah. on it. He's like, you're you're wrong. This was meant to help Facebook and, like, yeah, help indigenous like, indigenous help everyone. Kids. It was a good thing. You're totally wrong. You're going to go to, like, prison or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, You're all right, just guy. look into it. And then they look into it, and they find out. Well, that well, now it's it's like, okay, I guess yeah. they're, they're not going to take him into custody or anything. They're just going to kind of, like, kind of free to, out. to Rome. Yeah. So then he goes to see uh, uh, Rachel McAdams Tracy. again, right? Tracy. Tracy. And uh, <laughs> let me look here, make sure we're on the right yeah, track. Yeah, we're on the right track, I think, right? Uh, Gilchrist turns to Tracy's house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. No, before that. Uh, Bill, Bill Murray's character is at his uh, his hotel room, and Bill Murray's like, "Oh right, hey, is this was that payback because I let you die yeah. in, in Afghanistan?" He's like, "No, it's because you're a bad person." Now, like, he's, he's like, like, "Ah, I'm gonna ruin your life. You you don't know what's coming for you, buddy. Yeah. You're totally screwed." And he's like, "Okay, I'm I'm okay with doing that. Uh, like, whatever." La vie. And then he goes to Tracy's house, and then Tracy's like, "Hey, my husband left, but he le- sent me this letter that was yeah. really nice." And he's like, "Okay." And then she reads this personal letter yeah, which from I her husband to I him. I don't want to hear it. I know what it's going to say. I'm sorry right. I can't express myself, but it's blah, like blah, blah, blah. I love I, you. I don't know how I feel about her. I mean, I know that they had a kid together, so they, they are right. fun, but that's her husband. And he wrote that letter to her. It's a very and personal letter. And she's just letter. reading it to him. Yeah. Bradley Cooper, who apparently broke her heart. And right. Like, that that feels a little weird to me that she's reading the letter to him. Yeah. But anyway, he basically says, oh, I love you. And I love you more than any other man, and I'm a good person. And it's like, oh, that's a really nice letter. And then she's like, hey, you should get back with Ng. And he and he's like, no, I can't. And then she's like, well, you should. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, I will, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, and then, and then Woody comes back. Right, he Woody comes back. He comes back during that scene, Yeah. and it's just him and Bradley Cooper. And, and it this becomes was, silent. This was a fun part yeah. because – they they meet and he, they do that thing again where they just look in each other's eyes, but it's each other's eyes, but it's subtitling. He says, "I know that you're my daughter's father. It's okay." Something else. Yeah, like, and then he says, uh, and "The last and then, thing he says." So he is, so he hugs him and then yeah. he's about to walk away and then he comes back. He like, looks. He's like, he said, "Did you sleep with my wife?" Yeah. And he's like, "No, I didn't." And, and then, then he like hugs. he's like he like gets the most like relieved so look happy. on his oh. face and he smiles and he hugs him. Right. So that scene was fun, was fun. right? Yeah. It was a fun scene. I like no, that scene. It was, it was completely weird, silent. But I liked it. Was it. Subtitled. Fun scene. Yeah. Kind of, again, still weird. Like people reacting ways they should. Like no one would react that way to be yeah, like, "You're my daughter's father, and I'm okay with it." Like yeah, but we just and also take that another thing is, how does he know? He can tell. That kid has bright blue eyes. Neither of I them guess. have blue eyes. But this like, movie just tell. relies so much on people just knowing things yeah, off of just looks. Assume. Just like, oh, I can see We're it. We're because... supposed to know Hawaiian culture and language. I guess. Pow. <laughs> Pow. Um, so then he goes back after – he talks to Ng again, right? Uh, he doesn't talk to Ng yet. Oh, that's right. He... So he goes back to Alec Baldwin. 
well, he gets called in, right. and then it's Danny McBride's like, here's your hearing, buddy, and it's all of them in Hawaiian shirts, and they're like, yeah. hey, turns out you were right. He we was found, evil. We found a nuclear payload. You're totally good, and we're going to arrest him. Yeah. And then it's Bill Murray. Staring up at the Hawaiian sunset. He's just like, oh, look, it's so Looking nice. straight And up. he gets arrested, and he's like, yay, I've been arrested. Yeah, he's like, hooray. So, so they're like, happens. so basically it's like, you're off the hook. Nothing happens to you. You're yeah. all good. But hey, don't touch Ing. You can't corrupt her. He's like, okay, I won't. He's like, I guess I won't. He's like, but where is she? And, and like, you missed her. And he runs to the hotel where she's checking out. Right. He's like, I'll be back when you get back from deployment. Right, because she was going to leave to get deployed somewhere yeah. else. And she's like, oh, I want to be with you because I don't remember. Like, She's like, I'm not going to deploy now or something. Yeah, but I really stopped caring at this point. I did too. But so then they hug and they're like, oh, yay, we're together. Oh, yeah. man, this is awesome. I, I, I'm okay with you now, even though you lied to me, but because you did the right thing, I'm going to be with you. Yeah, and he's uh, like, I haven't done the right thing yet. He's like, there's one more thing I got to do. What do you have to do? He Then, after this scene, he runs to the That's dance right. studio. This is the ending. This oh. is the ending. He runs to the dance studio where his n- daughter that his he daughter. now knows about is practicing because she's talked about this place before. We've seen her at this hula, place before. She's doing hula dancing. She's doing hula dancing. He just stands outside. He stands outside and yeah. like taps on the glass. And she sees him, and bravo to this actress, because she sees Bradley Cooper and then just starts to tear up. No, and... well, well, she sees him for yeah. a while. Yeah. He's just standing there. So then you think, if I was her, I'd be like, wow, this guy must be a pedophile. But she knew. She knew the entire time. Oh, that really irks me. How did she know? Ugh. She knew the entire time. Her mom must have told her when he came into town. She's probably like, this is your dad. No, she didn't tell no, her. No, I guarantee no, she there's did. No, there's no way to because she had to. No, no. I'll tell you what it is, because I guarantee this is nah. what Cameron Crowe was going for, which is... She sees him, and because he looked at her, now she knows. That's what it is. Because in this universe, anytime you look at someone, you instantly know what they know. So what, it's like just up to the, it's the Hawaiian like vibes that like you can just feel I guess. things. All but right. then she cr- she like starts to cry, and then she comes out and then runs to him and hugs him. Yeah. And then instead of like going Talking, to talk to going him, going to dinner or a movie or something, she just goes back to dancing and starts hulaing and like smiling, like wiping tears from her eyes, and then it just cuts to black. And yeah, it's just like and that's it. And then that's Aloha. the end. Aloha. That's that's that was it. Okay, so this this one this I wrote the end exclamation point question mark. This plot took longer to explain than any other. Yeah, because convoluted. it's very very confusing, convoluted, and as as I wrote down, basically, I found this romantic comedy more confusing than David Lynch's Dune. Yeah, no, I could follow Dune. Much better than this. I mean, it's just... I knew what Paul Atreides was doing most of the time. I didn't know what Brian was doing for 56 minutes. Right. So that's the issue with the story, which Cameron Crowe did write. And, you know, clearly there there are many issues. I mean, right. there are fun ideas and the characters are, are interesting, but altogether the, the story just does not come together. But now what we're going to look at is the directorial side. And, you know, we're going to look in the context of making the film and what he did as a director. So where I want to start is looking at this in terms of editing. We look at this film, okay? And as you and I know, and we've said many times, everything is too fast. Yes. <laughs> you get no explanation of anything, which explanation isn't, isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just, like, being, context. Being of, able to be in a scene for longer than well, two just, minutes. Yeah, like, being in a scene and, like, understanding where the scene is and what the scene's about. Like, right. there were too many times where, like, someone was doing something, and I didn't know what it was they were doing until, like... In way into the scene, mm-hmm. and that's clearly an issue of editing. Like, you know, the the shot, the shot placement of when you're gonna do this shot or that shot, where you're gonna start, when you're gonna show a close up, when you're gonna do a wide. You know, 
they they clearly don't they didn't maybe they just ran out of time to get inserts or something i don't know I don't but know. there are too many times where like there's a scene of Bradley Cooper and he's listening to like a radio and he's yeah oh that's right in the beginning he was spying on Emma Stone's right. ing somehow well, so, he had spy equipment well i yeah that's not explained he was listening to her phone but call. But that's not what he was li- – was he listening yes, for he that? Yes, he was legitimately listening to okay. her phone call. But with that scene in particular, it's like you start with him did- diddling with this uh, radio receiver thing. But you don't know what he's using, and then it's not until like 30 seconds into the scene that you realize, oh, he's like listening in on her and stuff. But if we had gotten the idea that he- it's a radio thing, you could have maybe pieced it together a bit more. But then it's just kind of a jarring thing of what that scene's about – and then it happens, but it's too many times like that where you don't realize what the scene's about until way into the yeah. scene. Yeah, you know, it's bad. And that you know is yeah an issue of writing, but also you know as a director, what you can do is, especially in blocking, you can tell a lot that the, the script isn't in the way you block it. So we could have seen more of the separation between John Krasinski and his wife and kids if maybe you know as a director you tell him okay. In, I know in this scene, when you're talking with Bradley Cooper in the beginning, you're talking and you're not a guy that talks much. But if we maybe have you take long pauses when you speak, so it's like really drawn out and it's weird, that might have been a, a way to do it. Or when he first meets his wife and kids, maybe you know he doesn't go to hug them right away or it's kind of separated. And so even though it's not a thing of him not talking, it shows a distance from them. And it's these visual things that maybe not are in the script that a director can do to get the ideas that aren't really fleshed out perfectly in the script out, you know? Um, And then there's also the issue of kind of, I don't want to say, I don't want to say any of the actors did a bad job. They all tried really, really hard. But some people were out of place. I feel some people were misdirected. Misdirected, miscast. Miscast, which is, you know, we'll say... Emma Stone, who I think is a very good actress. She's very talented. And she does a well – she she clearly is trying very hard in this yeah. movie. But they couldn't find a balance with her of right. when she's really pre- like really, really peppy and all happy and happy. And when she's Hawaiian. And when she's Hawaiian. Literally. Well, when she's like, yeah, being more like, you know, Islander, like yeah. speaking about like Hawaiian culture and stuff. And then when she's trying to be flirty, it all felt like three separate people and they mm-hmm. never felt like the same person. And I feel like that – is likely because Cameron Crowe didn't keep a good eye on her performance. I, I'm, and I feel like he what wasn't, just feels like he really wanted Emma Stone in this role. I guess, and maybe it wasn't the right person. Right. But I mean, that is a directorial issue of you know making sure your actors' performances are consistent because they could be the best actor, but they need someone you know they can't see themselves. So someone should be there to kind of guide them in the right direction. And not to say that Emma Stone did a bad job. It's just her performance was felt like three separate performances. Mm-hmm. And then you have someone like Bill Murray, who I don't even know. Like he was, he's, he's in my opinion, kind of there. he was completely miscast. I did not agree with his place in this movie. He just felt so off. Yeah, yeah. It just, I mean, he doesn't do a Gary again, Cole would have been better. <laughs> no one does a bad job. It's just like it's just they're odd. Yeah. And I think it's mainly the directions they're given of how to perform certain things is really odd. Like the John Krasinski, the John Krasinski scenes where he's you know got to be silent. They just felt really, really weirdly timed yeah. and paced, and the blocking is really odd of like how long it takes him to, to walk up to him and and the distance and when he puts his arm in him. And like, it's ideas where like there's certain things in this that could be really, really funny if they just were were worked out better, yeah. you know, or if they had more time, if they had more time or more more patience put into really nailing them down. And I feel like perhaps 
he kind of just thought, well, these are really good actors and I can trust them to do the job and I'm just going to, you know, let them do what they what they're going to do. You know what I mean? Uh, and this is all hypothetical. It's just things I'm noticing from it. But I feel like that, you know, these are issues that could be worked out as a director on set, you know, and that's the issue of sometimes when you have someone that is a writer director, they are so dedicated to what's on the script that when they get into the director's chair, they don't see the things that are missing in the script. They don't see the visual elements that aren't there on the page. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, yeah. I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts, Dakota? Well, I mean, I think it looks nice. You know, there's some it, he takes advantage of Hawaii, for sure, with his direction. But my biggest issues uh, basically lie with characters and the script. You know, I felt... It, this movie tries to be three different things. It kind of tries to be a drama. It tries to be a rom-com. And it kind of tries to be, like, an activist, political sort of, like, it oh, feels movie. I don't know. It, it, it feels like we're just going through the motions. Yeah, it's like, not, it doesn't have a set tone or genre. Yeah. And it just... it Everything's muddled. I didn't... I didn't feel attached to the characters because they're not... They're not... Wow. My doors. Yeah, they're so loud. Door. They just they don't they didn't feel fully fleshed out and mm-hmm. sometimes they weren't played by the right people. Well, from a from a directorial standpoint, what did what did you notice? Uh, well, as I said, shot well, but it just it, it feels there's not a lot special for me in this movie with Cameron Crowe's direction. Mm-hmm. I think that he takes advantage of you know the the island, but they, I I would say yeah they they shoot the island very yeah nicely. but there's nothing great. that stands out to me that it, like if I if you put anyone else's name on this and I've only seen one. Jerry Maguire and part of Vanilla Sky, but I just nothing stood out to be like, oh, that's a you know very good shot, or this is you know different, you know, except for that one weird you know like that push you were talking about in the beginning. In the which beginning, they never use that. Which kind they never of use again. again. Yeah. Um, I also feel a great scene to kind of explain some of the issues is the party scene when they have when they go there and Emma Stone does the dance with Bill Murray and stuff. Mm-hmm. Before that, we have basically. Uh, Tracy and John Krasinski in one place. We have <clears throat> Brian uh, and Ng in another place. Alec Baldwin's there with some other guy. And we kind of just cut between these three groups, you know? like, And th- that's normal for, for a party scene to, to do this. The issue is we kind of are almost cutting into these scenes halfway through them, which is good. You know, you all, they always say you want to come and do this scene as late as possible and leave as early as possible. But these scenes, we're coming into them late, but it's almost as if there is no scene like or that's hard to say but it, we're coming with like no understanding of the characters right so when we come into these scenes and we see them talking you know less so with the Bradley Cooper stuff but when we see Alec Baldwin there we don't know what his whole thing is so it's just whenever he's doing something you're like okay i i guess i'm going to figure you out as i watch you we have no understanding of you i guess you don't like Bradley Cooper and then when you see John Krasinski and Richard Adams. The only thing we know is he doesn't talk much, and so then it's just kind of them look at each other. Yeah, and you're supposed to assume, oh, I guess there's tension there, but we don't know anything about either of you. Like I don't know who Rachel McAdams' character is, and I don't know who John Krasinski's character is. And again, if you did visual visually, if you represented that through, I don't know, space having them you know, do what Citizen Kane did, where you have these two characters at a distance, at a distance from yeah. each other. They're really far apart. Different ends of the table. You can you can show that stuff more visually. Instead, it's just kind of like we're gonna get two over the shoulders, and they're just gonna look at each other, and, and you're it's gonna implied. you're gonna have to do all the work yeah. yourself. Which you know, I, I I like doing work as an audience member, but I like when I'm rewarded with 
something that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 camera is used in an interesting way and does work with me. So yeah, I can piece together that John Krasinski. I don't know how to say his name properly. Krasinski. John Krasinski and her are Big having tuna. an issue. Big tuna are having an issue, but. It, then it's all up to me, and you're just kind of like throwing a camera in place and just shooting it like you normally would, rather than, you know, w- using doing something visually that the script isn't doing. I'm repeating myself a lot, but right. I'm just trying to come up with ideas of what as a director can be done to work on what is ultimately a unfinished script. Yeah, like there and- is there is no plot that is finished all the way through right. that you fully understand. They're meshed together, and that's he Camera Crow wrote this script. So this is it's it is his it is his it's that his is an important piece of yeah. it. Um and so now what we can look at going to the script actually is the other issue because I, I I said before one of the issues leading up to the release of this film was the whitewash casting. Right. But the issue that we're going to talk about is the Sony hacks of twenty fourteen, which if anyone doesn't know, there's uh there was a hack of Sony's entire servers and emails and a ton of information got released. A ton of emails, mm-hmm. a ton of releases, unreleased um, movies, unreleased schedules. Right. Some people say it was the North Koreans who were uh, upset with some the release. Some people say it was Sony. Some say, but some people say it was the Koreans who were upset with uh, the release of the North Koreans. The North Koreans specifically who were upset with the release of the uh, the interview, which is a film by Seth Rogen and um, James Franco and those guys. But on Netflix, it's on Netflix now. <laughs> we we're not sponsored by them though. No, but sponsors, <laughs> please. Netflix. Uh, so, they uh, in in this uh, release, you know, this illegal release, I will say. So we're not going to be actually de- exactly quoting anything because I don't want to be supporting right this. But Amy Pascal, who was the producer, executive producer of this film, and one of the lead producers of Sony in general, had a long had a lot of her emails released, and some of the things she was saying about making this movie was, first off, uh, you know, we have a, a running theme sometimes of producers ruining movies we'll yeah, say interfering ruining. interfering yeah but in this case it uh, it seems there was a lack of interference yeah. because amy pascal says scott rudin who was the producer of this film never once was on set which is a problem which is a problem uh he wasn't he wasn't there much for uh editing uh during editing he wasn't didn't there help for the them. process it wasn't there for the process of scripting yeah so you have a lack of produ- producing uh, uh influence and then she says uh you know she she said basically, I never want to again commit to a script that I know doesn't work. Yeah, that's a so cash grab. She basically went worked with Cameron Crowe on this because she he was one of her favorite filmmakers, and she was forgiving the script, thinking it would all come together and work itself out. So kind of you know it's it's different. It's like usually filmmakers do that. They think, right. oh well, the script isn't really there, but I'm gonna I can do work it. With I can it. work with it. Yeah. And the producer, the ones they're saying, you have to fix this and that. Yeah. This time it was the other way around. Although Cameron Crowe also felt the script was okay. Right. But uh, I guess there was tension then where once they got into the editing process, she realized, uh-oh, things are not going good. And she tried to be you – know, she tried to work things and be like, okay, we need to get reshoots and we need to fix this and that. And this doesn't work. And you actually get great insight into – you know, you get like her notes from some of the right. editing sessions where she's like, "This, I still don't understand – what the satellite business is. Mm. I don't understand this I character. I didn't either, Amy. And it was amazing to be like, wow, the producer of the film is just under- as confused as me. Right. <laughs> and I guess what they came down to was the film was too far gone. You know, even doing yeah. reshoots wasn't going to fix the inherent issue, it which is muddled. that this film doesn't have a, it doesn't have a point. Mm-hmm. 
there doesn't the only point it seems to have is we want to get Bradley Cooper and Emma Stone together That's and we it. want to hint at activism. Yeah. There isn't a through line story and that would be okay if the film was more exploring these characters and Hawaii, but it's very plot driven. The the entire point of the movie is the plot, which and there is there are also no stakes. Bradley Cooper faces no repercussions, even when he there thinks are no, I mean, you're right. he's going to get in trouble. There are kind of stakes at the end, but throughout it, mainly, there aren't stakes. He right. doesn't need to be doing any of this, and we don't really know why he's, he's doing most he's of it. He's making money. It's his it. job, literally. He's but just was, working. You know, the, the, the Sony hacks really give a, a different perspective of the producer-director relationship, which is that sometimes the producers are right, you know? Yeah. I mean, she felt the script wasn't ready and that it wasn't a good thing and we need to do reshoots, and Cameron Crowe was like, no, I like it. You know, this is the way I wrote it, and that's how it is. And I think Amy Pascal was correct in thinking, you know, this movie needed a lot of work, and they should have maybe not made it when they did. He wrote this script in 2008, and he did multiple drafts up until 2013 when they filmed. It was originally going to star Ben Stiller and Reese Witherspoon. Right, they were, and, they aged, and then he de-aged them. Yeah. But uh, clearly, it was a successful filmmaker who, you know, everyone put too much faith in. Yeah. You know? And they thought, well, he's done great stuff before, so this one's automatically just going to be great. Mm -hmm. And not to, to say, you know, Cam Crow is not a great filmmaker, which we are actually going to segue into. But just to finish this off, it's just it's eye-opening to see the producer's perspective. And if you're interested in looking into these uh, Sony Hack emails, feel free. I don't necessarily want to talk about them much too much or yeah. actually say verbatim what's there just because I feel it's, you know, it's not the best thing to have – you know, you're, I wouldn't want my emails leaked, therefore right. I'm not going to directly read off Amy Pascal's yeah, emails. Yeah, there's no reason to. But the gist of it is, yeah, she was clearly a, she not was against the film, but she was aware of the problems. Yeah. Uh, which is which is pretty neat. Yeah. So now, you know, before we, we determine if this film was misdirected or not, we are going to look a little bit at the career of Cameron Crowe up to this point and see, you know, just how great of a filmmaker this guy is. Right. So, uh... Really, his work starts, you know, not in film, but as a journalist, a music journalist. Uh, when he was in high school, he was uh, working as a journalist for Rolling Stone. He was a, you know, he was tour he was going with bands, touring with them during high school, like mega bands too, and writing articles on them. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, one of the youngest music journalists ever, and he, what a, what a crazy youth that must have been. I bet. Yeah. Uh, and then once he left with Rolling Stone around seven years later when he was in his 20s, so about 21, 22, he got this idea for doing a novel about high school mm -hmm. and uh, how high school really didn't, is. didn't do that well. <laughs> a little book called uh, Fast Times Original at High. Yeah. And what he did was he pretended, you know, he enrolled in a school pretending to be a 17-year-old. And for about a, a semester or two, he just observed. What and a he, nightmare. Right? How scary would that be? Because wow. first off, I mean – he must have been a young-looking 22 year Yeah, seriously. Uh, but he just went to high school, basically, and mm -hmm. he observed, and what he observed, he put into this book, and this book did very well, and he got to write a screenplay from it. And, of course, you know, Fast Time, Reason High, when, what, what can't you say that's great about this movie? Yeah. It's the classic, you know, it's, it's a film that was the first of its kind to truly show high school as it really is, you know. I mean, yeah, it's really um, outrageous and filmy i'd say where you know things don't aren't exactly how high school goes but right. the idea of sexual tensions of uh you know it was a young adult movie it was a young it was a it was a high school movie that was for adults yeah you know it, it was it wasn't 
hiding. It was people who were just coming to age and right. wanted that little bit of reminiscence. It wasn't hiding the f bombs right. and you know it was real. sleeping with people underage and stuff, which is interesting. And it kind of seemed the first of its kind because it came out in 1982, uh, before even uh, John Hughes started working on films uh, in that genre. I'd say. So really awesome movie. Um, obviously, Sean Penn, Spicoli, what mm-hmm. a legendary character. And then uh, he goes from that, and he does a little movie called Say Anything, starring John Cusack. Yep. Uh, fantastic. One of those Another seminal movies. Seminal. I mean, it's a great romantic comedy. It's Instead of dealing with high schoolers, it's dealing with people just out of high school, mm-hmm. which is a very odd time that not many films talk about in this way. Of it's not people in in college and it's not people in high school. It's that in between three months to one year period, right? And uh, you have this amazing romance, and you know, it it's a uh, it's interesting because John Cusack first off is he just feels so real and natural. Mm -hmm. Like his character feels so written to be just anybody, and you don't see like in this film you don't see that kind of forced chemistry force anything it all feels like it was almost um as they were filming making it up as they go and the dialogue feels really loose and natural and is it's just a really great story between yeah. uh, just a love story about a kind of i wouldn't say sheltered girl but a a more privileged girl and a lower class guy but they do it in a a pretty new, unique way that's the one where he holds the the boombox right? it is a boombox yeah, movie yeah. that's a very classic iconic yep. scene and then his well, we would say his second biggest film, aside from Almost Famous, which neither of us have seen, so right. we're not going to talk much about Almost Famous, but his big, big movie was, of course, Jerry Maguire. Yep, with Tom, Tom, Tom Hanks. Cruise. Tom Cruise in 1996. T. Cruise, which you have to T. specify. It's T. Cruise. Terry Cruz or Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise. Um, a film that won Best Supporting Actor for Cuba Gooding Jr., which Cuba. I kind of disagree with because that was the same year as Fargo, and I think Fargo had a amazing performance from William H. H. Macy. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, yeah, uh, definitely. But Cuba still did a great job. And uh, Jerry Maguire, I mean, talk about a classic, you know, full of classic lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there, there's so many in there. Show me the money. Show me the money. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, You had me at hello, which yeah. I kind of, I'm against that line, yeah. but I'll live Overused. with Overused. Uh, but yeah, just <laughs> that is a, that is a example of what Aloha honestly could have been. Yeah. Which is, this really fast-paced kind of thing of the beginning. You get all your information out there really fast, and then you just follow this character as he's got to do, you know, all these different things. He's got to keep, you know, he's got to manage this one client who's still with him, and he's got to manage a romance with a woman and a kid, and he's got to manage a business, and it's just him basically losing his mind throughout the movie, right. trying to keep himself better. afloat. And I think if they put a little more Jerry Maguire into Aloha, first off, you would have fixed the issue of having no through line, because the through line would have been, how much can Bradley Cooper handle? Yeah. Just like how much could Jerry Maguire handle? But you also would have more room to have more fun with it. I feel like Aloha wanted to ride the line between out there and and sentimental and realistic and uh, and having a message. Whereas Jerry Maguire went went for the let's go out there, let's go sentimental, let's just go crazy, but keep it rooted in somewhat reality. Um. Great movie. I I really like Jerry Maguire. Um, I think you know, it can it can get a little sappy, mm-hmm. but uh, Cameron Crowe is able to ride that line pretty well. And as a director, what I like about Jerry Maguire is uh, he he manages to keep the energy up. Like he's made his editing, which he didn't obviously edit it, but and director's really important in the editing room. He kept that movie flowing really fast, and so that's like two and a half two hours fifteen minutes. 
but no scene feels longer than a minute and the film itself feels no longer than like an hour and a half and that was uh it was really nice to see a first off a romance and a comedy that knows how long it should be you know which sometimes you know you have movies that are like two hours 15 minutes and they feel like they're 12 hours long you know like and judd apatow has a problem of his movies are 20 minutes too long yeah and you know people say you know you got to cut things away it seems like uh camera crow with that movie found a way to not have to cut too much out and still make things feel like they're flowing like super well and i think that's due to great some great camera work with some amazing transitions of you know the camera is you know basically flowing through sometimes to like through these montages and it's like moving around and it's just got great pace i mean that's that's the best thing i say about jerry Maguire, aside from tom cruise being awesome yeah uh, that was a whole ramble. I hope yeah. something made sense. That was like in five there. minutes. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah. So then, uh, we just kind of gloss over the rest. He did uh, after that Vanilla Sky, another Tom Cruise movie. After Almost Famous, haven't seen Vanilla haven't Sky. Haven't seen that. Seventy um, fourth Annual Academy Awards. Apparently. Oh, he wrote special material for that. I guess, I guess uh, that's cool. He did Elizabeth Town. Haven't seen that one as the well. The Pearl Jam Twenty, the Pearl Jam documentary, which interesting. I'll watch at some point. And then, of course, We Bought a Zoo. Yeah. The, I which, I I feel I never it, saw it. I know wasn't that was, it a meme though? It was kind of a meme. We maybe one day we'll do that too, just because it's another one that's regarded as not so great. I haven't seen it, so we'll I have it. Uh, but and then yeah, of course, Aloha. then Aloha, and then he did uh, that one season roadie show, which obviously was inspired by when he was a Rolling Stone writer. I saw the first episode. I thought that show was, was pretty good. good. I just never finished it. Um, but yeah, that's Cam and Crow in a nutshell, and yeah. uh, pretty some pretty important films in his uh, filmography. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely put fourth work that people a lot of people know and a lot of people regard as being you know like very good movies and that have had influence on their lives at some point absolutely absolutely so now that we've gone through the good and some of the bad dakota yeah was aloha misdirected um that's the thing is because sometimes when we discuss this we're like oh it relies on the direction and a couple other elements but my issue is the direction wasn't terrible, as we come into an is- instance with other movies, but he did write this movie. He did have a major hand in casting this movie. Of course. And, uh, yeah, as I've said multiple times, I don't agree with some of the characters that being played by certain actors. I don't feel like they fit. I feel like it's three different genres of movies trying to be one, and it pulls me out of it, and it just – it's. It's not cohesive enough to make me be like, yeah, this is a good movie. It was brought forth on even an acceptable level. And for me, honestly, I think it's misdirected. I think that uh, even Amy Pascal knew it wasn't going to be as great as everyone wanted it to be. Cameron kind of, you know, he, he didn't put his best foot forward. It was It was work. It was good enough, but it wasn't as good as it could be. And it wasn't anything near what he had done before. I agree that it was misdirected, but I think for a few different reasons. Okay. Um, first off, I don't I don't think the film was good enough. I'd say it was below good enough. I feel it could have been much better if some people were listened to or some things were changed or someone had some more checks on the script and on the set in general. I mean you're right, it wasn't there wasn't directed terribly, but I feel like as a director there were too many missed opportunities to basically just fix elements of the script and 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 hone in on things that just weren't there in the script right and as the director you know even even a bad script like this could have been at least made more manageable 
through better editing of, you know, when you play scenes, what scenes you have, and, you know, just even adding a voiceover into the film could have been interesting. I mean, these these are a lot of these ideas of, you know, changing things in the edit and adding voiceover. We usually look at as a negative thing because they're done at the last minute and they ruin movies sometimes. But I think they can be used as a positive thing if you have a film that's, you know, it has those ideas. It just doesn't have them grouped together well enough. And I think they could have saved and made, you know, not a great movie, but certainly a, a fine movie if they took some more some more um creative if they made some more creative decisions during production right. and post-production which i felt they didn't because cameron crowe who seemed like he had free reign thought well it's my script and i wrote it and i like my script so i'm just gonna go with what i have in the script yeah and uh, clearly you know producers until it's too late didn't put enough checks on him and i think you know the producer director relationship is important the director is the author of the script but Sometimes they can just get not power hungry, but they can just get blinded by their own vision. And so for some of those reasons, I do believe Aloha was misdirected, but in no way means Cameron Crowe is a bad director. Right. Just that, you know, all like all directors, he needed a better producer. Yeah, I'll agree. He's by no means a bad director, nor is this a badly, in the instance of you know, the way it looks, directed movie. But it, it does shot fall, well. Yeah, it does fall under the category of misdirected because he had a lot of influence and it seemed like, you know. As you said, things could have been fixed and things could have been better. And there were clearly, from A. Pascal, uh, desires to make them better. Right. That weren't, I guess, listened to? I don't yeah. know. We need a stamp sound so we can just go misdirected. Uh, but yeah, yeah. so that okay. that is Aloha. Yeah. I hope some of this made sense. Like, I hope some of the movie would have made sense. <laughs> I don't know if it made sense I guess to a lot of people. If, if, if my ramblings don't make any sense, it'll, it would fit to this episode. Yeah. But. It works uh, out. This was episode six. Yeah. This was a misdirected film. And this is Skylar James Sandak. And Dakota Sky. And oh, this misdirected. this was misdirected. Yeah. See, I had a nice thing going on there. Well, we didn't do our plugs. Do your plug. All right. So make sure you guys follow us on Instagram at Misdirected Podcast. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can follow myself at Dakota Sky 96 on Instagram. And I'm private, so don't even don't even worry about it. But you're like at Skylar underscore Sandak. Yeah, don't even. I'm private. Don't Just worry. Plug about it. it. I mean, yeah. Uh, is next week the Oscars? No, not next week. The week after are the Oscars. Um, so we might not be doing an episode. Yeah, that we're week. not sure yet. But uh, definitely next week we'll probably have an episode yeah. out. Uh, so stay tuned. Might be a guest. Never maybe, know. Maybe it might be a guest. Maybe. Who yeah, knows? Stick, but, uh, stick around. Check out the next episode. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, have a good day. Have a good one.